Hey everybody, this is Terry. I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that we had some technical difficulties on this episode, so some of the audio might sound a little off, but it's still listenable, I think. It's not horrible by any means, but I just wanted to give you a heads up, uh, a little warning beforehand. Please still check it out. I think we, we did a, had a pretty good conversation about this movie, and I hope you like it. How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back in finishing our grim dark category with TV's pick. What'd you pick, TV? I picked Possessor. It's a, a movie I watched a while back and thought it would be a good one to revisit, especially since it was on that list you shared with me about grim dark movies. So very convenient. It all <laughs> yeah. worked out. It's all coming together. But Possessor was released last year, actually. It was like one of the only movies released in 2020. <laughs> did it come to a theater or did it go straight to home video? Barely in theaters for as long as it could, I guess. I doubt it made like any money. It was at a festival, but like nobody came to the festival to watch it because everybody was staying away for COVID. That's good. A bad year to release a new movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. Tell us a little bit about Possessor TV. Well, let me pull up Old Reliable IMDb here, and let's just uh, let's get a little plot summary going here. Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Yeah, I think that's about the best way you can sum this movie up. Yes, hence the name, Possessor. They possess people's bodies. It was a pretty wild movie. I don't think I've seen a movie this wild in a little bit. What? We just watched Beyond the Black Rainbow. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know, just some of the concepts in this. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's cool. But I also have some issues with it as well. Well, let's let's warn the listeners right now then that there will be spoilers ahead. So if you don't want spoilers, then watch the movie first and you can come back. We'll always be here. Or if you don't care, just keep listening. So I think it's interesting. This movie was directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg, who does all these weird movies. I was curious going in if he would carry on his father's legacy. And he does, kind of. This has a really interesting, unique take on body horror that you wouldn't expect when you hear the term body horror anyways, or think of David Cronenberg's stuff. But it's in the same spirit as his father's work, and it's a, it's a neat take on the idea. Very untrad. Well, I don't know if I'd say untraditional, but it's like more mentally body horror. There's plenty of like gnarly, gory stuff in this too, but it's more about like your mind, what your mind can process, I guess, and stuff like that. Who's in control? That kind of thing. Yeah, losing control of your body, but still seeing everything that's happening, not knowing if it was your choice or somebody else's choice. Yeah, getting, like, molded into someone else's consciousness or having their consciousness <laughs> molded into yours. Was it you or the worm? Hmm. 
it is a really cool, cool concept. I'm not going to say it's like super original to this movie, but a neat take on it. Yeah, it's filmed in a more like brutal style than anything else I've seen try to do this concept in a movie or like a game. Like this is a pretty brutal movie at times. Reminds me a lot of Ghost in the Shell with the mind swapping bodies and stuff. Yeah, definitely. This is not a new concept in science fiction at all. But I think it's the way it's framed in this that makes it feel more unique. Yeah, it feels a lot more grounded than a lot of other uh, sci-fi movies. More horrific. Yeah. And it's not like it's in a crazy sci-fi world either. It's The only crazy, really, sci-fi element in this is the body swapping. Like, everything else, like, there's some weird stuff here and there, but it's not the deep, dark future or anything like that. It's... I guess maybe the, like, close future? I think I saw that it takes place in 2008. What? Yeah, it's like an alternate 2008. They have, like, extremely good virtual reality stuff. Well, I guess not virtual reality, but... I mean, it's a pretty dark future still. It's not like Blade Runner dark future or anything. It looks like our future, but it's still pretty dark. I mean... The whole thing is they're trying to take out the leaders of this data mining company where they go and they have people put on goggles and look through all your cameras and devices to get information on you and the stuff you do and things like that. Right. I I just mean it's not like a it's not like the super far future flying cars and all that kind of stuff. It's it feels like it could take place today-ish you know somewhere around this time or in the past 2008 yeah an alternate timeline it's very big brothery for sure he's always watching and possessing you too in this movie (laughs) that's true you just have no control of your life in this reality people are watching you when you don't want to be watched and they're they could just go in there and take you if they want yeah that title possessor I think it's kind of interesting. You mentioned earlier, TV, about, you know, possessing someone else's body and doing things. And I think kind of, uh, you know, some of the themes I saw in there might also be indicative of possessing yourself. What do you possess that makes you you? You know, do you have certain thoughts or traits or quirks? You know, what makes you you? And that was not something I expected to see from this you know, scary, not scary, really, but, you know, it is kind of a horror Cronenberg movie. Yeah, the main character, yeah, definitely has a weird struggle with knowing what she wants, I guess. I feel like something weird, she's really fixated on the violence of this stuff, and she she likes it, and but she knows it might be wrong, and she knows that maybe the family's the better option, but at the end of the day, she can't help but choose the violence and like is that her thoughts is that bleed through from just doing this over and over again is this other people's thoughts because i mean she's jumping in other people's heads and sometimes you know we see that they can get a little scrambled sometimes so yeah i don't know remembering who she is and all that it's kind of interesting yeah i agree some of the like reviews i was reading after this and i kind of picked up on it but didn't know i picked up on it was that our two like main characters are struggling with identity 
like you said, TV, um, Voss is like a jumbled mix of every, all of the people she's inhabited in a certain way. And then um, the guy, he like hates his job and he's only there uh, because his girlfriend, um, his dad owns this company, so he couldn't even get a job besides that. And he does something really weird for work too, so he feels like unfulfilled. And so when they come together, yeah, it's pretty interesting to see what happens <laughs> and the power struggles and stuff. Yeah, Colin, I think's his name. He's like, he has no power in any of his relationships. He got his job because of his girlfriend's dad. His girlfriend is the money that like keeps him going, I guess. You know, it's he doesn't feel like he's in control of his life either. Yeah, these are some like deeper characters. Um, the more you look at it, that's not like super, you know, prevalent when you're just watching the movie. You know, you have to think about it a little bit to pick up some of the layers. Oh, I don't know about that. They're very similar. And that's, I mean, that's the whole crux of how he's able to fight back against her and regain control, right? So they're very similar, but they don't do much with it. They're basically just going back and forth between the two consciousnesses fighting within the same body. But, I mean, it, they don't explore any of this stuff you guys are talking about, really. They just use it as a crux for um, the main conflict of the film, which is she loses control of the body um, to the host again because they're similar. They don't really explore it any until the very end, which was, well, we can talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the effects and shots and stuff too, but as far as the story goes, I thought it was kind of boring because they don't really explore anything in a clever way, I don't think. Well, if I might, I guess. I, I feel like they explore her a lot. Like at the beginning, I was kind of with what TV said earlier, like, you know, she kind of likes the violence, but she feels like maybe having a family is the right thing to do. And, you know, she's torn on this. Do I try to be a normal family person or do I, you know, keep killing? But I think by the end, it became apparent. I mean, it seemed to me, at least, that maybe she was actually a psychopath. And the stressful part was trying to pretend to put on the show for like her boss that she wanted a normal family like that was the mask and not the psychopathic stabbing and murdering. Yeah, but, like, she definitely was a psychopath, for sure. Like, I have no doubt about that, just because of how she likes to just destroy people with <laughs> melee weapons as opposed to just shoot them and be done with it. But it, it's weird, because her boss wants her to, like cut connections with her family too so i don't know why she would be holding on to that still to like pretend to not be a psychopath because she obviously is and that's what her boss wants too i don't think she was always that way though i think she's slowly been turning into this like from doing this job for so long she said when she killed the butterfly when she was little that she enjoyed or she, you know she felt guilty that's right. She said she regretted it. Yeah, and she still feels guilty to this day is what she says. Which to me was part of the act and not like a true statement. 
Hmm. Well, maybe, yeah, she's still pretending to herself that she still cares about this stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I got the vibe that she's not always been like this, though. And that it's just this job that has been, like, taking hold of her life. And, like, the she's getting really fixated on kind of the more, like, darker violence. Even, like, just the power of taking over somebody's life and doing whatever they want with them. That kind of thing. I think she's starting to get kind of addicted to it and liking that. And kind of getting dis- displaced from her normal a normal person's perspective. I guess is what I mean. I think there's like a lot of ways to interpret this. So I, that's why I feel like it explores it because I'm guessing we've all got some different opinions and views of how this played out. Yeah, it, it explores her pretty decently. I'll agree. It doesn't explore like it sets up the other guy too, but it doesn't do much with them when they're combined besides them just fighting with each other mentally in some admittedly very cool and creative um, sequences that they show. But yeah, I do I do agree they explore her character pretty... Mm, they, they do a good job with it, I'll, I'll say. It's not as good as I think it could have been, but it did a decent job. You know, I agree with you more, TV, and I'm leaning more in that direction, but I'd take it a step further after the ending and stuff like that because her boss basically was trying to make her into the perfect assassin with no emotions and stuff. And we caught um, Voss's character like right towards the end of that. So her boss has been doing this to her for a long time just to make the perfect assassin. So she's like struggling with her identity there. And for me, at least after watching the ending, I'm like, you know, you can watch this movie again completely differently because well you don't get to see like her victims beforehand but she's been doing this for a while so her consciousness is like probably mixed up with like maybe 20 people at this point so i think that's an interesting way to look at it too it is but they don't show that really or they don't do a great job of showcasing that i think that would have actually been more interesting if we got like a a a shot of them going over all the people she killed or something like that. And then she has some weird corks from that she's picked up from all of them, you know? I mean, she does have some weird quirks. Like, she has to practice her social etiquette before going back to her family and everything because she's still scrambled in the brain and is forgetting how to be a person, basically. But it... I, it's very limited in what it looks at. They certainly don't tell you a lot, I would say. Yeah, that you kind of have to like imply a lot of stuff, I think, which I kind of like it when movies do that. They just kind of give you the bare bones and let you work with it. But I was just kind of like interpreting that from the performances and stuff, just how they act and the little hints they give, like her rehearsing and the butterfly stuff. Like That seems like a weird thing to say for an assassin, you know. Oh, and then I felt guilty. Well, she has some empathy left and i guess after the end she was wanting to get rid of it so she could do her job choose her job over her family i mean that that makes sense and that explains why she could never kill herself when uh before they pulled her out of the body too yeah and see when she made that decision at the end there um that she had to let her family go that was after she had like pretty much molded with Colin's conscious. He put that very, very nicely. <laughs> yeah. 
She she didn't let him go. She chose the murder them brutally herself. That way she could be the assassin. Cause she was in con- she was in control at that time. Was she though, or was it a combination? Like it's kind of hard to tell, you know. I think that's one of the biggest cruxes here is who was in control when for like the latter half of the movie. Well, the guy was obviously in control when he went back to the house because he wanted to try and force her out of his mind or whatever, and he didn't know how to do it. But I'm pretty sure she took back control there and then just acted through him so she didn't have to do it herself in her own body to kill her family members. Because they have that shot of her shooting her kid at the end because she... And she's like super pissed or flashes to her being in the body again or whatever. So, yeah, but I don't know if she would have done that if uh, her boss hadn't taken over her kid and like stabbed her or whatever, whatever he did. I don't know if she would have just murdered him. I think there's a lot of, yeah, layers. And maybe, yeah, Colin was in there for a second. At the end, she gets control back and realizes what happened, but you know, it's too late. I don't know. Oh, if she didn't want to kill him, then she wouldn't have shot her son af- even after he stabbed her. I think that's what kind of the question is. Is like, obviously, Colin had the will to, you know, kill her family because he was mad at her. But did she just let him do it, or did she take over and do it herself, I think is the question. I think she took over and did it herself. Because if, if you look at Colin, he's kind of a pushover. This whole time, he only did anything because he was being operated by her. So I don't think he would have done anything. And she just chose to act through him so she didn't have to do it herself. And she could get a clean a clean break, not be connected to the crime and everything. The perfect circumstance. Yeah. I, it's int- I don't know, because it's also, I'm kind of thinking like, because I think Colin says something about, like, did I do that or did somebody else do that? And I wonder if it kind of works like she's using his own impulses to give the performance or something. I don't know, because he's not even sure what he's doing and what he's not doing. And, I mean, I wonder if she can tell that easily as well. I don't know. It seems like something he has thought about doing. So I don't know if maybe she's just like, okay, well, we can act upon that. And that makes it easier for her to control him or something. I don't know. Maybe she's using his impulses to hurt her her family to kill them. I think even with like most of the kills, you know, like who shot Rita in the shower? Was that him or was that her? Oh, that was her trying to get back control or whatever. Maybe. I mean, it doesn't show us. A lot of it isn't clear um what's going on and that's what makes it interesting to me it's like you can watch this again and try and figure out who's in control here or who has more control but i think it's like maybe a 60 40 percent of who has control in there i do agree with utv i think they're fighting constantly over control and they go off of the urges that's why they pick the the victims in certain ways like colin was already mad at uh, the dad, his girlfriend's dad, because he's uh, a jerk to him. And at the beginning, uh, the waitress had to deal with uh, some rich <laughs> jerks like that, like who she stabbed. So, well, yeah, they definitely they definitely pick people that they can interface with like that. They pick the ones who would be have the best motives for killing somebody. Well, would her son want to stab her in the throat? 
all the little kid would have seen was just uh, Colin come in and murder his dad. <laughs> so that's why he stabbed him. Just such a quick, clean stab to the throat. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It just seems like how much control does a person have? 100% or 80%? Well, they don't have much control because they're suppressing the memory and they're suppressing the conscious and stuff, but... Colin and Voss, I mean, I guess they're so similar that that's why he was able to take control. I mean, there's that, and she obviously wasn't ready to go and do it again, too. That was pretty evident, I thought. But, I mean, Colin's a pushover. Like, they they don't give you nearly as much time looking at him as they do Voss before they or she possesses him right but from what you can tell and pick up on he's a big pushover so my thinking is like no he wouldn't have ever killed any of those people because he's a pushover whenever he's in control he goes to somebody for help right and whenever Voss is in control she's shooting or brutally eviscerating people with a knife or a poker not poker a fire poker stuff like that right so to me, it seems pretty like clear who's doing what. I don't buy for a second that Colin would have shot his girlfriend. Like, yeah, he was pissed at the dad, but I don't, he's such a pushover. I wouldn't believe he would do that on his own free will or shoot his, well, I guess fiance actually. And then his other girlfriend that he's cheating on her with and um, his friend from work. That's something Voss would do to try and eliminate witnesses and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he she has to do something that only he would want to do, but like I think that definitely helps. And I think you're right with the whole motive thing. That's definitely why they picked him, because he is the one who would be the most likely to probably go around and murder everybody. He's even got like a criminal past. He was like a drug dealer and stuff before that, you know? So he's like the perfect person to pin it on. And that's what makes this a scary film and like a horror movie. It's like, even if he would never do that, it's not in his nature. Just because he's in that position, they can get away with it, right? It's that that kind of stuff in here that I liked more, I think. Because I, I think this movie, for some parts, not all of it, I, will, I agree with you guys that Voss's character is pretty well... Pretty is explored pretty well. But I think it masquerades itself as being deeper than it actually is in for like half of the movie, too. I don't think we can assume, you know, like, I feel like we go into this assuming we know things, like who Colin's character is. But like right away, we find out that we have an unreliable picture of him. Because the first morning she wakes up, you know, she's observed him for one night. And she's like playing him all loving and kind, being a nice boyfriend, because that's kind of what she thought she saw the night prior. And the girlfriend's like, what are you doing? This is weird. You're not like this. You're being strange. So we know that Colin isn't like the way that Voss thinks he is. It's a good point. I do wish we would have had more time with Colin before the possession. I think that's my main thing with this is we get a lot with Voss, but... We don't really get to know Colin. We like get to know him afterwards, kind of by like I guess we kind of get to know him at the same time that Voss gets to know him, you know. Which is it's a cool perspective. It's all from her. Well, until I guess they mind meld. Then I guess it's from both their perspectives, right? But 
I mean, that's kind of a fun way to do it is her trying to figure it out, but they don't really play with that too much either. So I, I kind of wish we could have had more time to figure out who Colin was and that kind of thing. To me, I think that's integral to the plot and they just don't really explore it too much. I mean, you get bits and pieces of it through the interactions with the other, with the friends, right? When, um, when Voss, when she's in there and's talking to him and they're like, you're acting weird because his fiance is like, you're depressed all the time. Um, what's up? You're just, you're doing drugs and drinking to, um, deal with your depression. And then, um, at work, he's got assigned the extra shift and everything. So he's not well liked there. I still think like, I, I agree with Terry, like it's an integral that they explore his character more. So that way we have more of an idea of what's going on there. But I do think from the interactions and like the little tiny tidbits of stuff we do learn that I could still make the argument that he wouldn't do any of this stuff without her influence. You know, I think I'm on the other side of this uh, discussion. I like that we don't know much about Colin going in and that we kind of get to figure out more about him as their consciousness are like pooling together. I think that's a really interesting concept that I haven't really seen in sci-fi before, um, explored in this way. And I think that's super interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's all through, you're seeing it all as Voss experiences it. Like, and don't get me wrong, I like ambiguity to an extent in movies, but I do think, I've, I think we talked about this in something else. I Was it probably in the Beyond the Black Rainbow review? There's a point when ambiguity is too much and you're leaving out critical like plot details and stuff. And I think this movie suffers that a bit. Not as much as Beyond the Black Rainbow for sure. For sure. But I do think this suffers from that a little bit too. And I think it would have helped the movie a lot more if we had that in there i like that it's super ambiguous i think that's cool like you can watch it again and try and figure out you know whose consciousness is doing what or who's more in control and it's acted so well um i think all this stuff you know blends together super well for maybe another watch through i don't know did you pick anything up tv since you're the only one who's seen it twice um I can't think of anything that like stood out extremely well, just more like breadcrumbs. I think there are a lot of like little breadcrumbs that you can like extrapolate what you will from it. And I do like it when movies do that. I don't like blatantly tell you, but I mean, that's not a huge complaint of mine is not knowing Colin that well, but I do think, I think there's enough there to like get by, but this is, this is short, you know, it's well, it's like an hour, what, 45 minutes. So I think it, there's some time. It feels long for that runtime too felt really short for me i gotta say i think the first half felt kind of long but then it really picked up the second half for me it was pretty crazy but yeah there is a bunch of weird stuff like there's a scene where um is it colin goes up and touches some floating white thing like there is some stuff in here that i'm kind of like what this is weird and it does it's not explained at all so it it is she was um it was yeah it was showing that her connection is like breaking down and she was seeing like 
artifacting and stuff. And I wanted to say too, even that I saw some parts that like they cranked the resolution down for, and then that slowly came in the focus too. But I wasn't, I wasn't sure if that was that my internet for some reason lost <laughs> a lot of bandwidth or whatever for a second, or if that was part of the movie. Cause she wasn't all there going back into this, right? She was pressured to going back in before she was ready. And I think she's even been having this issue before that. Cause she mentions to her doctor uh, who's plugging her in. He's like, watch your levels. And he's like, okay, I'll watch your levels. But he's like rolling his eyes. He's like, well, how about you just make sure to stay synced up and not, you know, deviate from the plan. <laughs> I think she's been having the struggle for a while with syncing with people. I think it's been getting to her a little bit. The more she does it, the harder time she has. Mm -hmm. Just like her boss, you know, because she says she can't do it anymore. I'm wondering if maybe that's the same deal with her. She's starting to lose the ability to control it as easily. Yeah, but her boss was like playing 40 chess this whole movie with her plan to make, uh, you know, Voss the ultimate killer. So I think you can look back and be like, hmm, she had this all planned out or did she like just adapt to, you know, changing <laughs> chaos very well? I think she adapted to it because um, I don't think they planned for her to go back in and lose control like she did i mean she, he she didn't even kill sean bean funnily enough uh, <laughs> he lives <laughs> and then she goes a wall and then they have to resort to all this these other methods ultimately her going and possessing the son to snap her back out of it or whatever finally so that that's like what i was trying to figure out this time watching it because i remember that being such a big twist the first time and i was like Whoa, and so this time I was like, okay, I'm going to look for the clues. And I don't think I landed on either side, really. It kind of felt more like a happy accident to me, too. Maybe she always had the sun in, like, the back pocket, you know, just ready in case something weird happened. She could get her chance to get rid of him or something, but I don't know. They showed how easy it was for them to get somebody and do it to him, which, oh, man, that was nasty. Like, they were drilling, drilling holes and putting plugs in people? Oh, that was, I don't like seeing the surgical stuff in the movies, but ooh. And that's how you have to sync, too. Like, if you want to stay synced with the body, you got to put that thing in your head and then turn on this, like, weird electric buzzer or something and crank it up. Ooh, man. Man, that was terrible, the opening to the movie. Ah, <laughs> Immediately. We knew it was one of Cronenberg's children, <laughs> obviously his offspring. <laughs> yeah, this was a nuts movie. Very gnarly. And I saw that they use like minimal special of uh, like CGI for this stuff. It seems pretty goopy. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it felt very visceral. And the camera work is like awesome on this movie, too. Like it's just as brutal <laughs> with the shots and whatnot. There are some pretty good shots in it. I was impressed by it. Like, that location for her apartment was really cool. And just the asymmet asymmetry of her shot when she was standing there in the middle. Yeah, and like just like the floating around the city, spinning around. Oh, I like that. That's good stuff. That was weird. Yeah, very... They do a lot with the camera angles that keep you disoriented. That's for sure. My favorite shots are in the um, the dreamscape, weird like 
when they're like struggling for control when Colin's like crushing her face and putting the mask on his face and all those like yellows and reds. That is like my favorite scene in this movie. It's so scary. <laughs> oh jeez. That was so creepy when that was happening. Or when they were like melting the first time. Yeah. And then reforming. That was that was so cool. Like such cool imagery, man. And it works so well with what yeah, what they're going for. Yeah, or when she'd see doubles in the mirror. Ooh. Oh, and that that scene where uh what's his face shows up from uh, Colin's work who was like a spy the whole time or whatever and uh, he's like trying to get her resynced, and like every time he does the electric shock, you see Colin slowly creeping closer and closer to her. Oh my gosh, that's so cool, man! It's such a s- some really cool stuff in this. Yeah, the camera work's awesome. That was the best stuff in the movie for sure. Like how they're able to convey the internal struggle was like perfect. They did such a good job with it. I was I will say I was not a fan of all the. It's just like I wasn't a fan of it in Beyond the Black Rainbow. I don't like it when these movies are trying to give me a seizure. Yeah, there's some strobing lights in this. I I could have done without the strobing lights stuff, for sure. But all the rest of it, I was like, this is pretty good. Though it is a bit overindulgent a few times, I would criticize it on. But for the most part, it was great. They did an excellent job conveying that through... um through the medium of film oh yeah i say indulge your way i love it when movies do weird stuff like this i just love this trippy weird imagery i think that's just that's my jam man keep doing it it was so good all right well we ready for some overall presentation then yeah i think i'm ready let's do it give them the scale tv all right so we have a scale that goes from burn it pass watch it or buy it in that order we all give a little spiel about what we think then we try to average them out at the end if possible so we'll see where this one lands here i got i got i gotta i gotta practice something real quick hold on ah yes mike you'll be going first hmm. <laughs> ah yes mike no ah oh, mike yeah you'll be going first Mike, yeah, Mike, what you got there? I think you'll be going for Okay. All right. Uh, you know, and then we usually pick somebody randomly to go first. Mike, I th- maybe you should go first this time. Yeah, I think that sounds good. What a great idea. I love it. <laughs> Help, I think I'm being possessed. <laughs> it definitely wasn't me. Unless he wanted to go first the whole time. Hmm. You know, this is a wild movie. It's like the twist at the end, I thought it was really good. I thought that was a super cool twist uh, with you can think, hey, did the boss plan out this entire movie to make Voss's character the the killer or not? You know, we we talked about it. And it's just a cool uh, concept how they do the, like, transplanting your brain into somebody else and controlling them, like, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here and Voss and Colin's character like mold together as meeting each other. That's cool too. I'm going to give this a watch it. I think it's really cool, but I don't know. Some of it does go a little too far for me. So strong watch it from Mike. Yeah, this movie, it seems like uh, was either, you know, very similar to or drew a lot of themes from other works that I really like in sci-fi such as ghost in the shell ahem but i do think it's a very interesting movie like in its own right it takes a lot of 
crazy concepts that aren't necessarily new in the sci-fi realm and kind of has a new perspective on them, if you will. And I really enjoy that. I think uh, I could easily watch this quite a few times. I'm kind of reminded of A24, you know, uh, it comes at night, you know, where we can go on endlessly about what we think happened. And it's all, you know, kind of subjective, how you interpreted the movie. So I think I got to give it a buy it. Not unlike that one, because I could see myself pretty easily watching this one three or four more times. Yeah, I really like this one, too. Um, you know, it is pretty vague sometimes, and I think maybe we could have used a little bit more time with Colin, but I get what he's doing with the whole perspective thing. It's mostly from Voss's perspective, so, you know, it is, it's not like it's a huge detriment to me, because I think there's breadcrumbs, whether it be from just some lines that are dropped or, like, the performances themselves, because I think the acting in this is all really stellar. Um, there's enough there to kind of, yeah, like Fox was saying, there's enough to kind of just make your up your own interpretation, which I do like while still maintaining a pretty solid story. So um, I think I might give it a buy it as well. I, I do really like this. This actually made my um, top films of 2020 list. Not that there's that much competition, um, <laughs> but I still really, really like this movie. I think that's it's it's good on future rewatches as well, and it's got some cool visuals, good acting, good ideas. It gets pretty brutal at times, some awesome psychedelic imagery that I tend to love a lot. So, yeah, I'll give it a bite. Yeah, this is a pretty neat idea, reframing this mind control thing into body horror. Um, it's a cool idea, cool take on this decades-old science fiction idea and it's accompanied by some great visuals of the battle of the mindscape which were really cool to see how they represented that because it's very difficult to do in a movie in a visual medium of any sort at all really uh, it's something you usually see in books more and those types of books like that are hard to get made into a good movie. But this movie does a great job with that. And it's accompanied by some great acting, too. Unfortunately, though, that's about all I really cared for in this movie. It's a great idea in a cool world, but it's, it's not as deep as it wants to be, for sure. Like, Voss's character's interesting, but unlikable too and you don't get enough with any of the other characters really to latch on to anything or see or make that internal struggle between Voss and Colin like take it to the next level of meaning you know because for me I thought it was there wasn't much of a question who's in control at what point the story didn't do that much for me really uh, I wanted a lot more out of it than what I got. And honestly, I found the story kind of revolting too, especially at the end. I didn't think it really justified it too well or earned that kind of an ending because of all the reasons I've stated. It's probably more of a personal thing for me, but I really didn't like it. didn't sit well with me. They also have some very gratuitous, like nudity and sex stuff in here a la game of thrones as opposed to earning it like blade runner 2049 and stuff so oh we forgot to talk about that 
Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> I just remembered it when I was thinking of why I was revolted by a lot of this movie. And it's like, to me, I don't care if you have nudity in your film or a lot of violence, which this has both. But this one, it doesn't earn it, at least not on like the nudity sexual stuff. And it feels more like dirty, which for part of the film, that is what it's going for. But... I don't think it earns it, really. So I'm actually going to give this a pass, I think. There we have it. Two buy it, a pass, and a watch it. So I guess that's... Is that buy? A watch it? Somewhere between a watch it and a buy it? I don't know. A botch it. Man, I can't believe I forgot to talk about the sex thing. That goes with my she's a psycho theory. We could talk about it now if you want. Oh, well, my whole thing is just that I feel it's there because she not only has like psychopathic tendencies for violence, but also psychosexual tendencies. And that's the whole thing. What do you mean? Explain. So it's like psychosexual, like you engage in gratuitous sexual acts at a random impulse. Like, a, I mean, it would be the same thing, like psychopathic tendencies towards violence, psychopathic tendencies towards sex. And I feel like, like whenever she's having sex with her husband and she like is like not enjoying it and thinks about murdering somebody and seems to get more into it. I think it's because she's trying to like pretend like she's like a normal middle aged woman who's like, ah, another another night with my husband and missionary. <laughs> when really she's like, yes, more. Let's make this weird. Yeah, that's kind of what I took too. I thought she was just as into the sex stuff as she was with the violence. like. When she does become Colin and she's having sex with Colin's girlfriend, she is much more passionate about that than she was with her husband, you know. I think she just loves the control and, like, the the feeling of being in control of these people and being able to just, like, kind of do whatever she wants. It's like, they are my instrument. I can, you know, do all these gratuitous things. But it's not really me, you know. It's them. But I, that's kind of what I took from it. That That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think it goes a little bit too far with that, too. It is the most um, nudity I've seen in a long time. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> I've seen like a feature theater film with that much nudity. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, We did watch the uncut version, so there is some stuff in here. That's the only one, so... A lot of nudity. Yeah, I guess, should we talk about what Grimdark is? Because we have forgot to do that in all these other reviews. I keep meaning to bring it up at the end and be like, well, was this Grimdark? And then we all forget, I forgot every single time to bring up, like, if this actually counts or not, that kind of thing. I think this is the most Grimdark out of the ones we've watched, honestly. Like, Children of Men would probably be second, but I think this is the most Grimdark. That was where I was leaning to. I thought this was the most, like, yeah, I, I whatever. So, I don't know when it first came, the term first came around, but, like, a real big proponent of using that term is this game called Warhammer 40k that spanned multiple game mediums. The setting of that is you're in the 41st millennium, right? And humanity is spread throughout the galaxy they're so big that they're constantly at war with everything like 
it's basically fantasy put in the the 41st millennium so you've got orcs and elves and like ais and robots and aliens and stuff and there's always fighting all the time there's no good guys like humankind has devolved into being very aggressive and i I don't know how to quite put it the right way but they're not good and there's no heroes everything's bad all the time and nothing's ever going to get better that's pretty much what grim dark is so i guess let's go through the movies then so children of the men do we all think that's grim dark yeah i would say so the setting is but it has more hope in it than you would see in grim dark usually yeah i would think it would be judging just by uh, what i've what i know in your explanation beyond the black rainbow is that grim dark I, I, I'm more inclined to say no on that one, despite my love for it and the buy rating I gave it. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say it's all, it's not grim dark. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm leaning more towards the middle on that. I don't know. It's sci-fi, but, and it's dark, but I don't know if it's like that niche. Dark City. How about that one? I'm going to say no for that. That one's hard to say i want to say no i i'm kind of mixed on that one parts of it are but parts of it aren't because there's a lot of power fantasies and grim dark stuff like in warhammer for sure yeah it ends pretty hopeful it does get pretty good for them there at the end so that kind of like, like it it, it kind of is but kind of isn't too it's weird and then this one, everybody in agreement that it is? Oh, yeah, definitely. This this one definitely is. You feel dirty after watching this movie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I kind of feel like, it's kind of like with metal bands, if you know metal, like the subgenres. Eventually, it's like, okay, is this even really a subgenre? Like Grimdark? <laughs> Trying to start something TV. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing this out. This is my thought process here. I've been thinking about this a little bit. I, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, is it Viking metal or is it just death metal? You know, you comparing this to a certain other dark, grim, some might even say black metal genre. Black metal. <laughs> I don't want to get into black metal on the podcast. It's just the first thing that comes to mind. It's like because that's like the other thing I know a lot about. I know like movies and I know music. <laughs> I know metal is notorious for having all these subgenres. When it's like, well, in reality, can we just say like this is just dark sci-fi or dark fantasy? Like at some point, kind of doesn't it feel like a little too niche. I don't know. I don't know. No. How dare you? It's more fun to say, Philistine. <laughs> Heretic, you mean. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> about to get burned. I'm about to get scourged or whatever. <laughs> Send the Inquisitor. <laughs> so for next week, we're adding a bonus to our Grimdark. The one that is the most closely related, I guess. It's definitely a 40K movie. That's what Dan keeps saying, so we're going to do Event Horizon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Related to 40K somehow. Um, we'll find out next week. We'll prove it to you. 
<laughs> yeah. I've only seen this once before and I was not impressed, but I know there's a lot of fans <laughs> of this movie and this podcast, so maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe maybe I'll like it better the next time. I don't know. Man, it's a cult classic. I remember when we showed it to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, yep. He's not my favorite director either. I don't like this director who did this, but... But it is his best movie. I wouldn't argue that, maybe. <laughs> who did this? Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> You're kidding and me. And guess what? It does not have Mia Jov- Jovovich in it. <laughs> it does have Sam Neill. It does have Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. But, you know, Mia would have really spiced it up, I think. He could have put her in there. I don't know what they were thinking. Oh, yeah. She would have fit in, yeah. TV, where can they contact us and tell us their thoughts on if these movies are grim, dark, or not? Yeah, let us know, surely. Somebody out there's got thoughts on this. These guys aren't the only ones who know 40K, surely. I know it's a big deal. But yeah, find us on Facebook or Twitter at RunTheReal, or you can email us at RunTheRealPodcast at gmail.com. And even if you don't want to talk about 40K, you can uh, tell us about what your thoughts are on Possessor. I'd love to hear that too. What you think, what your thoughts are. Is it too excessive? Is it just the right amount? Is it too ambiguous? I want to know. Is it revolting? Yeah, is it revolting? Is it um, <laughs> welcoming and warm? Because I don't think yes. that's what it is. That's the one you got. Definitely not. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, be sure to get in contact with us. We'd really appreciate to hear from you. Uh, thanks for tuning in to us tonight. This is Run The Real, signing off. <laughs>